California considers later school start times as students deal with a lack of sleep. Late violation of state law, Caltrans shut down the freeway to pass out gas tax propaganda. And California's new sex ed curriculum rolls out to public schools. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Hey, how are you guys doing? Beautiful summer into fall day. It's true. For sure. It's warm today. We have a lot of things to talk about, as always. Again, California-specific. You know, before we get started, I yeah. wanted to um, address something because I don't think the media has been really talking about it way too much. And this was the uh, the assassination attempt on Rudy Peters, who's running for Congress up in the yeah. Uh, I don't South think that Square. got much airplay at all. No, actually, to be honest, I don't know what you're talking about. So there you go. There you go. And yes. I mean, I follow the news. I, I, I you know go to websites well, and whatnot. Um, Rudy Peters, he um, he had himself a booth, and I believe it was actually for the Republican Party up in the area. Uh, at a festival, and he happened to be manning the booth, and a mm, not a Trump supporter decided to visit the booth, and I will not name that person because I don't care about them. They don't, they're not going to get famous on this show, thank you very much. They decided to say, Trump is not my president, get in a big tiffy. He tried walking away and then came right back with a switchblade. Luckily... He malfunctioned the switchblade, and uh, Rudy and Rudy Peters was able to disarm him. And luckily, the uh, the police were a couple of booths down. <laughs> this is all happening near the police. It, it, yeah, it's a festival, so you know this. This is where we're at. So in society where just people have been pushed to do this kind of stuff. So this guy had an IQ of like one hundred and thirty. Yeah. <laughs> 150. A Mensa candidate. Oh, definitely. So, um, yeah, that, that's a hard side to Mr. Peters. That story did not get much play. Yeah. Uh, it, if you were kind of scrolling through the news, you might have saw the blip on it. But other than that, it yeah, might not yeah, be. Yeah, they passed right you know, over it. it. They're defending Saulwell, who is his opponent, a uh, well established Democrat from the San Francisco area. So that's, that's it. The, Sweep it under the rug. Nothing to see here. It's just amazing. Yeah, we could talk about this almost for this whole episode, but I'll try and keep it brief. It's just amazing the bar and the resetting of the bar that we're watching happen nearly live as to what's acceptable. It just seems every day, at least every week, something new happens that falls under the umbrella of, well, but that makes sense and that's okay because Trump's real bad. Right. Well, it, it, because it comes with the the righteousness. It, the, right. Yeah. There you go. Right. And because I feel like I'm more righteous than, say, Trump supporters or the right, then I have, I have the right to do whatever I want. It, it's the phrase, I have right on my side. Right. I, right. I'm, I'm justified in doing anything because, don't you all agree, Trump needs to be stopped. Right. No well, matter what. And you feel like anybody who dissents from your opinion is crazy. Anyone who disagrees with me is a Nazi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And all you do is water that down. There you go. Somebody brought up the point. I don't think we've, 
I don't think I've said this on this podcast, maybe a month or two ago, somebody brought up the point that really what's changed is, I think I'll get the phrase right. Do you guys remember the phrase, I do disagree with what you're saying, but I defend your right to say it? Yes. That has totally transitioned in, I disagree with what you're saying, so shut up. There's there's no longer this this notion feeling of, we're going to differ, but this is America, you have the right to express what you feel. People get offended with discourse. Yeah. And if we don't align on the same thoughts or principles, then uh, then your side needs to burn and you got to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're at. Welcome. Perfect. <laughs> Our, Our good way to start the show. Yeah. A real somber note. This uh, first story kind of comes out everywhere. This one's going to be off CBS News uh, and off EdSource. But basically, California... It, I don't believe they considered it anymore. I think it pretty much passed. A later school start time as students deal with a lack of sleep. So California teens may get to sleep a bit later before heading to school. The governor signs a bill requiring middle and high school students to start no earlier than 8.30 a.m. But not everyone agrees that allowing the legislature to dictate the starting time of local schools is a good policy. So middle and high school students in California start their school day on average at 8.07 8.07 a.m., which is like an oddball. No, right, yeah. <laughs> According yeah. to a study by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, which I think it's really weird that the CDC, they're getting yeah. that, that stat from Boy, the CDC. They, yeah, that's, that's turning into a really big bubble of things right. they cover. Right. Uh, a time that researchers say denies them badly needed sleep. The, bill's passage by, uh, the bill passed the full legislature on August 31st. It came as a surprise, and it failed in the assembly last year. But supporters flooded legislators with emails this year, driving home the point that research shows most teens are unable to go to sleep early due to changes in their biological clocks and that sleep deprivation leads to absenteeism, lower grades, higher dropout rates, and depression. All that from starting a half hour earlier. This brought up me. Well, well, we're, we're, we're obviously drawing a line here and we're saying, okay, now it's 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock or whatever it was for your particular school district. And saying, okay, well, now all the kids have to go to time at this time. But we're, and the teachers' union actually came out and said, you know, we're not in favor of this because you're kind of dictating exactly a, a time and a place to be somewhere. This one, this to me was the most rich comment of the whole deal. <laughs> so, so in one of these articles, California Teachers Association President Eric Hines said his union opposes a quote-unquote one-size-fits-all sort of solution. You you mean public education? Right. <laughs> well, okay. Get in, yeah, get out of Okay, so, so then after that, what, he opposes a quote-unquote one-size-fits-all solution imposed by the state, which could result in unintended consequences affecting transportation employees, cafeteria, and class. When was the last time that these groups cared about the secondary and tertiary effects. Right. And now all of a sudden they found all of these, you know, conservative yeah. margin, the cafeteria, <laughs> it might affect her schedule. And also one size fits all isn't good. Who do you think you're the, what is common pre- core? Unbelievable. <laughs> is common core, not one size fits all. Well, that's it, for your benefit, Louis common for <laughs> yours. <laughs> That, to me, was the most ridiculous statement. On, on the flip side, let's talk about the other effects. It, it affects the parents. 
And obviously, if you're listening to this now, this is an effect, and your school has probably adopted it, even though it's not mandatory at the precise moment. They probably have already instilled this. And, you know, you everybody had, has different start times for work. That's and right. That's, you, you had a schedule. I had a schedule. The, 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 I went places. Uh, uh, right. Uh, you, you were used to dropping off your kid at a certain time. Exactly. And picking them up at a certain time. Which, not, not to derail your point, but, but that was a, I, I couldn't find that in the various articles I looked up. Are they going to extend the school day? I was is the school day going later? No. Perfect. Which is, when you look at Europe, some, a lot of schools actually start around 9 a.m., but they go till like 3.30, 3.45. I can buy that. I can start right. to buy that if you want to shift everything. Because, again, they're saying these kids are up later, all this stuff, right, which is why they need to sleep in. Well, then if they're up later... They have time in the afternoon, which they're apparently alert, awake, good to go. Shift everything then. Okay, I could start to understand that. Let me let me bring in this part of the argument because the CDC is actually saying kids need more sleep. That's kind of the bottom line about it. Then why isn't it on the responsibility of the parent to put them to bed you know, earlier? No, and that's where I was going with it too. So to me, there's two parts here. There's the state dictating what local agencies should be dictating for their schools. And then there's the, well, the whole argument is kids don't get enough sleep. Therefore they should go to bed earlier. Now I think what you'll hear on the devil's advocate side is that, well, by the time they come home, they do their homework, they participate in sports or extracurriculars. They have dinner. Check Instagram. Check Instagram. Then it gets late and it's hard to put, it's hard to get them to bed earlier. But I would venture to say, and it's kind of like anybody who I feel is unproductive. People will say, oh, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to do this. I bet I can find you an hour. I bet I can find you some wasted time somewhere in your day. And I feel like even with extracurriculars, you probably still get to bed by 9 o'clock. No more Netflix and chill? Well, And that's the point, right? I think with screen time, (laughs) we've gotten... You made uh, John chuckle on that one. Good one. one. Uh, I think with screen time, we've really decreased the uh, the time at which kids sleep because they spend time on the computer, on their phones, on their iPads, doing nothing. And now you have a lot of these innovative teachers, you probably saw this going on the internet, not, not giving homework anymore because homework is counterproductive, they say, and they should be spending that time with their families at night. So if we really want to go on the trend of no more homework, then is it that hard to go to bed earlier? Is anyone learning anything anymore? Uh, speaking of which, there were a couple other bills that got passed, and I wanted to bring them to the attention of the, the we, audience. Here of we the board. <laughs> we had AB 3205, uh, authored by O'Donnell of Long Beach, uh, requires that any school uh, monetization project be done with money from the state. Uh, make sure that it includes locks that allow doors to be uh, locked from the inside with occupants. This you is know, for like a, a school shooter. A, a, yeah, safety, a, a gun shooter. safety. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lock. This seems like, really? But it's kind of a little overstep because what it kind of rides on is if you get a bond from the state, which most of the time you do, or from the federal government, they, they start dictating a rule in which you have to abide by. So... It's 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 a double edged sword right there. You know, they start with one little tiny minor thing and then they build it up. 
Um, another item here, um, AB 1747 expands the requirement elements of school safety plans, including procedures to respond to uh, shooter situations. This, again, is another uh, item out there that doesn't do a damn thing. It doesn't do a damn thing. This is, you know, everybody doing uh, duck and cover situations, but we're just spending money out there to do these uh, these programs, go out to, you know, everybody uh, pause in place kind of thing. Uh, they're teaching the kids that this is normal. There was, there was a school in the Midwest, yeah. So yeah, go keep going. There's a school in the Midwest. Uh, I read an article this week. I wish I could remember where it was at. But they're going to do live shooter training drills, right, just like earthquake drills. But they're going to use blank ammunition. And so people are starting to say the, <laughs> the PTSD this. from the drills is not only, you know, awful for the kids, but at the same time, you're teaching them that this is normal or that it is mainstream, and it's not. Like the actual percentage of these school shootings is minuscule. It's insignificant. It's not statistically relevant. But now we're training as if it's something common. Uh, and then having people go down hallways shooting blanks and saying, okay, now you're out, John, because you got shot. And lay down. <laughs> oh, my God. What'd Cry. You do, what'd you do at school today, Johnny? Oh, I got shot. So I was in the hallway. <laughs> Weren't you learning? No. Well, and I think we try to do the same thing with like, uh, you know, around prom season when we do all the every 15 minute drills and the drunk driver stuff and every school district's got their own way they do it. They pull a kid out of class every 10 minutes, you know, and I, I get the scared straight element, but to me, this is a little bit, this is different than being scared straight. This is. Yeah. You got high schoolers looking at each other, rolling their eyes, but you got second graders. Exactly. It's a little different. Exactly. Uh, I I just, God, I wish I could see the data and the research on starting at 8 a.m. leads to absenteeism, lower grades, higher dropout rates, and depression. I feel like there's so, you have to look at that in a multivariate way. Agreed. It, it seems like, I want to be sensitive here, because obviously I don't have the stats or the data in front of me, and it may exist, but it, but at the same time, it does seem like, topics and phrases that it'd be hard to ever get like total arms around if that's totally accurate, statistically accurate or not. Well, know? my grandfather always said that, you know, getting up for, uh, for school was a bunch of baloney for kids because on Saturday morning they were always up at 7am just to watch their cartoons. Right. That's a great <laughs> point. Do you guys remember, I'm trying to think back and you know, I did um, I did band, that kind of stuff. I remember 7 a.m. stuff. I remember stuff in the 7 o'clock hour. Now, I guess it depends on the extracurricular activities. But Yeah, I went to private school, and it was just your 8 to 3. And then on Fridays, we got out at 2. But I know my friends that went to the area public schools, they actually had an option. They could go like 7 to 2 or 8 to 3. So there was kind of a sliding scale of if you want to get out earlier, you could go earlier and vice versa. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I, I think too, it's part of it is the state handing down an edict that is supposed to be one size fits all. But I think the other part is like, life doesn't work this way. Like nobody cares that you're sleep deprived and they're not going to amend your hours for it. And you need to learn how to manage your own off time to get the appropriate amount of sleep. Or, and, and or the parent element, right? Right. 
people are, I mean, it's what, it's what we talk about on this podcast all the time. The household knows best what the household needs, right? So leaving it more up to that situation, the more, the more you can drive decisions down to that level, the better it's going to be versus the state. Well, and I don't believe giving somebody an extra half hour is going to suddenly a change their life, but B, they're not going to suddenly adapt their nighttime routine to, Oh, this is what I needed. I was, you know, I was getting in bed by eight 30 every night to be ready for the day. Now that I have an extra half hour, everything's going to be even better. No, they're just going to push it longer because they probably already have bad habits. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and thus in the household, the only entities that would change that or influence that are the parents, right? So if they weren't, if they weren't there to begin with, the half hour thing isn't going to make them turn the light bulb on in their head and say, okay, I got to clamp down now. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, they're not going to suddenly go to bed earlier. They're right. They're going to then push in another half hour. And I would say, look, if, if we're going as far as to create legislation that we're going to impose on the entire state, let's come back in five, six years and see what has been the outcome of that. Oh, no, we'll never do that. Have we? No. Yeah, what, what's our key performance indicators here? Are we going to see they would a, have to admit a drop failure. in absenteeism and, a, and better grades and a lower dropout rate and no depression? Louie, if, if we're not going to audit the DMV, we're certainly not going to come back and look <laughs> at what happened and the outcomes of this. We know it's right. crap, but we just got to live with it. Well, you might as well go all the way. You might as well just say start at 9. Like, is 30 minutes really... Let's make it a cool 10 a.m. while we're at it. Let's do everything online. Done. Take it online. You know, the other thing I tried to think through on this, I can't tell you I came up with any real great conclusions, but I tried to think through why on this is the union taking this position? Because thinking about it, they're a state. It's the California Teachers Union, right? Right. The state is making the edict. But why on this do they care that they're being they're being um, handed down an edict versus I, I, I well know. who who controls who it's that it, it, it probably you're right it probably goes to that question and who I thought they bought their politicians oh I'm sorry yeah, did I say no, that no 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 but th- but that's an interesting point and maybe that's the rub here is that they got front ran right with what should be done. Normally they're the ones coming up with That's right. Here's I mean, the rule, here's what we need, here's what we want. And in this situation, they were told. This is a state where we're constantly trying to get rid of charter schools. So, you know. Yeah. Why? Mm, I wonder why. Right. Right. We'll find out. We're gonna come back to school. It's true. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> come from, back to school from, from, a, from a different angle yeah, for sure. Later in the segment we'll be back in the schools. All right, here's another story out of San Diego. In blatant violation of state law, Caltrans work crew caught stopping traffic to distribute campaign flyers opposed to Prop 6 gas tax repeal initiative. Mm. Supporters of an initiative to repeal California's gas tax are demanding an investigation into road workers campaigning against the initiative. The Yes on 6 campaign said it has filed an ethics complaint with the San Diego County District Attorney's Office and the state's Fair Political Practices Commission. Workers in Caltrans uniforms were handing out no-on-six flyers to drivers along State Route 78 between Julian and Ramona on August 28th. The group released video and images of the section of road, and it shows men in construction gear handing out sheets of paper urging voters to vote against the proposition. 
Do you have the clip Come for this? Come on. What's that? Do you have the clip for this? No. Oh, it's great stuff. <laughs> I, I, I saw this, and it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just yeah. handing out because no, they no, told me to. Th- that's the, that is the quote. Quote, they just told me to hand it out. They just told me to hand it out. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that means. But that's what the Caltrans worker said. I want to know what goes through somebody's head when they think that this is a good game plan. Well, like, what is that? Uh, go ahead, John. Doesn't it relate to what Bobby just talked about with teachers' unions? When you have, pardon me, Fields, when you have in your head the mentality as Caltrans, who's, who's going who's gonna to who's gonna stop me? Yeah, who's yeah. going to fire us? Who's gonna... That's the mentality, I think, that these groups work with. So we want to do it. We're going to do it. Because what are you going to do to us? What is the fine that they are going to be levied? as opposed to the amount of work they will receive throughout the years for this gas tax. Right. Like, was it worth it? You mean, are you talking about a cost-benefit analysis? Exactly. Exactly. What's the fine? Let me me just throw out an imaginary fine. $100,000? Make it a million. It doesn't even matter. A million, sure. To your point, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because what's what's the other side of the argument for how much are they going to get from Prop 6? How much work does this essentially a monopoly get? So here's the three violations in the criminal complaint that was filed with the San Diego County District Attorney, uh, the California Highway Patrol, and the Fair Political Practices Commission. So criminal violation one, uh, by utilizing and directing taxpayer-funded vendor consultant to distribute express advocacy campaign flyers while being compensated under a task order at a project site, Caltrans and Manhole Adjusting, Inc., as well as employees involved in this incident, have violated state law. Uh, So uh, the law is Government Code Section 8314 that says it's unlawful for any elected state or local officer, including any state or local appointee, employee, or consultant to use or permit others to use public resources for a campaign activity or personal or other purposes which are not authorized by law. Uh, Criminal Violation 2. The vehicle code, uh, section 22,000, says no person shall bring a vehicle to a complete stop upon a highway so as to impede or block the normal and reasonable movement of traffic unless the stop is necessary for safe operation or in compliance with law. And that's because they stop traffic. And then uh, violation three is for the Fair Political Practices Commission, uh, reporting campaign contribution expenditures by state or local government agencies. Uh, and then it goes into a big deal on that. So, you know, they're going after all angles here, both, uh, violation of just campaign activity, violation for stopping vehicles on the roadway, and then, um, being directed basically while oh, no, on they the had clock. a legitimate reason to stop the roadway. <laughs> I, I would be pissed if I was trying to get so for any reason, I was oh. being stopped on the freeway to be. I, I'm right, I, I get upset up to the, when I'm stopped for a legitimate reason, and then I get to the front of the line and I get handed a pamphlet. Oh my god! And now I can go back to normal speed. That's crazy. To your point, Bobby, I think if I if I recorded this right from NBCSanDiego.com, they estimated or they pulled estimates that SB one right, which is the the gas pump tax, right, would raise fifty two and a half billion. Over 10 years. Now, this gets back into a point that we talked about in previous episodes. 
that it's over 10 years for road repairs and, quote, public transit improvements. Now, depending on the size of the umbrella that covers public transit improvements, not all that money is going to end up in Caltrans pockets. However, it is fair to say that a large portion of the $52.4 billion will. So back to your point, a million, $10 million fine. Who yeah, cares? Who cares? It goes right to them. Now, we in the state got ahead of this, this issue, SB1. We got ahead of it. And we got ahead of it with Proposition 69, where we changed the Constitution so that we could allocate these funds to be spent on actually the roads and the bridges and all that kind of stuff. We were getting out ahead of it. Actually, the Democrats were getting out ahead of it because they knew how unpopular SB1 was. They knew how unpopular the gas tax was. So how unpopular is it? Well, not as unpopular as you'd think because uh, Propinski uh, Research came out with a poll and they said 48% of the voters oppose reversing the gas tax because da, 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 all the funds are being used for the roads and bridges because of Proposition 69. Right. And I understand stuff doesn't happen overnight, but my next question is, when? I keep driving over the same roads that are horrendous. <laughs> when am I going to... You know, there there you go, Louie. I don't mind getting stopped if when I get to the front of the stop, I see that I'm having to change lanes because there's like a repaving machine or something. Right. <laughs> well, that's one thing, but getting one of these pamphlets is a totally different thing. But I'm not seeing that. Am, am I going to? No. You I mean, see, you see I, one, I, one guy expect- working, <clears throat> uh, two supervisors, and then a union official on the side, right? This is what you see. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much for actual physical evidence of my well, pump money going towards fixing the roads. This goes back to even when we were talking about the DMV issue a few episodes back of this just unchecked, do what I want. I operate with impunity kind of attitude. I, again, I'm still in, I'm still baffled that anybody would feel it was cool to shut down the freeway to hand out political propaganda. Like, and who says, who says in their mind, oh yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. Like the normal person would be like, usually on the far extreme of trying to not intermix work with their, you know, that kind of stuff, political stuff. and Well, the interesting part is because they're, they're members of a union, and union members often go out and uh, canvas an area on their off time. Right. And it's usually done through the union, through their political donations, uh, when your union dues go to that kind of stuff. And so they hire, they hire their own union members or somebody else uh, to distribute the, the pamphlets. So... In their mind, they're doing exactly that. They're just taking the opportunity and showing that, hey, look, we're fixing it. Let's keep this. Um, let's let's keep the gas tax as it is. Right. I can see it. That's how they're thinking about it. You know what this story also caused me to do is go, go a little bit down the rabbit hole of the efficiency or lack thereof of Caltrans. And I, I came across, I guess, 2015. There was a an audit done. And this is from KCRA.com back on August 27th, 2015. 
Uh, it says there was a new state audit released Thursday revealed California is wasting millions of tax dollars, including paying a Caltrans worker to play golf on the taxpayer's dime. Now, this immediately started to ring the bells. Of He's the, networking. Of, uh, okay. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, of the DMV uh, sleeper, you know, whatever that story was, you know, the person four hours a day or something. So here's the stats that they found. The audit found the engineer was on the links during the work week 55 times during 19 months. Putting in that work. For four and a half hours a day. So easily playing 18 holes each day. So to piggyback off of that, the other thing I found, now these stats are from the Reason Foundation, which is a conservative libertarian foundation. Right. State that up front. However, here's the statistics. California spends 4.7 times as much per mile of state-controlled highway as the national average. More specifically, for every $1 that Texas spends on its highways, California spends $5.80. For every $1 Michigan spends on its highways, California spends $3. Well, you know, there's, we get a lot of damage from the snow and ice. You know, that happens every single year here in California. No, especially in Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I can see how there's a lot of wear and tear on the on the roads. And what that comes out to is for every mile of highway that it controls, Caltrans spends, spent $77,000 on administration costs. You just start comparing this entity to other states, and it is ridiculous. There was, a, I was reading this article, uh, and it was out of the, the San Luis Obispo Tribune. Yeah. And... This guy, is a, he's an engineer, and he started looking into Caltrans projects and waste and all that. And he said, uh, the North Slow 101 roadside safety improvements, the environmental approval cost was $388,000. Plans and specs were $634,000. Construction support was $523,000. And the actual construction cost was $2.3 million, uh, according to documents that he was able to get from Caltrans, bringing the grand total... Of three to three point eight million dollars for thirty nine gore tips and some miscellaneous grading and guardrails, like and half of that was the was only the actual work. Oh yeah, Max. Was there a, a was there a hammer and a toilet seat in there somewhere? Right. Well, and what <laughs> makes the whole thing worse is that no one's ever actually watching out for the taxpayer money on these projects. Nope. No one's challenging Caltrans on the merits of the proposed projects or the costs. No one's asking if the projects are actually needed. No one's asking if there might be a less expensive way to do it. It's just, okay, yeah, we're going to do that They're project. They're perpetual projects. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we all know spots on the freeway that we feel like have been under construction for forever. Forever. And you can say that in any municipality. Oh, and everywhere. Everywhere. Everybody's community has some Caltrans project that you're like, uh, they've been working on this for 10 years. When and then they, they don't it finish it. The money runs out. Or they reallocate it somewhere else, and then the local citizens have to pass another measure, another bond, so that they can finish the project because it's only half completed, and it's only ever, ever, ever half completed. Yeah. Does I mean, nobody ever knows the details on these projects. You know what's funny is that when they did the big... Uh, doesn't sound funny. Well, okay. when they did the big Carmageddon thing on the 405, oh, and they were yeah. going to blow the bridge up and shut the 405 down for the weekend, they had a private company do that, 
they put a bunch of you better finish it in time or you're going to be fine. And when you know it, they pulled off that whole thing in a Saturday and it got done ahead of schedule. You remember where else that happened? Uh, Northridge Quake. Right. The 10 freeway. 10 freeway, what's like literally collapses, splits in half. And most listeners, obviously, who live in Southern California know how busy the 10 freeway is. Well, the 14 completely collapsed. Oh, that's right. It's a a classic spaghetti. That's right. But the 10, they, they bid it out. And to the contractor, they did the they did the exact same thing. It was a handshake agreement. Every back then. day you're under, here's X million dollars we'll give you per day. Every day you're over, here's X million dollars you owe us. Right. What do you want to bet they finished it early? <laughs> there's when there's incentive. When you don't have any incentive, who cares a long time? In fact, well, the incentive is to drag it on to longer. To drag it on longer to, to continue to have a project. project. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, this the same principle used to happen when I worked in the studios. They'd, they'd budget you for, uh, you know, the, let's say they're filming in in somebody's home, right? And they were going to repaint some walls in the house for the shot. And then they have to repaint them back to what the homeowner wanted, you know, when they left. They they Ahead of time, they'd budget out, you know, when they're budgeting the movie. Okay, we're going to give you four days to get the house back into shape for the homeowner after we film there. You better believe they took four days to get the house back in shape because especially in an industry like the studios where if you don't have a job, you're unemployed, they, all that stuff gets drug out. So even if you had to paint uh, one bedroom, but it was budgeted for three days of work, you're taking three days to paint a bedroom. And Caltrans is the same way because what's the incentive? Once I'm done here, I'm just going to get put on another project. And maybe this project has conditions and hours I like. What happens if they finish all the construction. What if everything is fine? They'll find something to pave. By design, that will never happen. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's like, I'm sorry, Bobby, but that's a ludicrous <laughs> question. I'm just, yeah, oh, it's designed to just be a never-ending story. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and it, the problem is it's not cheap stuff. Like, all the Caltrans projects are expensive. So it becomes... In, in now, why they're expensive is a whole separate probably topic investigation oh yeah but but because of all the stuff mixed together that's right they're incredibly expensive yeah well and you figure too even just taking out say the cost of labor and materials all the regulation that every project has to go through and when you think about the freeways and highways all the different jurisdictions they go through and I've, i've never gotten why especially when they shut down the freeway at night to do work they shut down like up to six miles past wherever it is they're doing work on. I've never figured that. There's like, because, because <laughs> of how slow they the move, workers, yeah. there's no way. No, but even even not not, not uh, approaching the workers, like past the workers. You'll see another like two miles of cones. Oh, yeah, an extra two miles. And they yeah. were doing work two miles back. And you say there's no way at the speed they work that they're getting through like three miles of work tonight, you know? <laughs> I can't figure that part out. Why so much of the freeway gets shut down? So many, so many question marks surrounding this entity. And again, big, yeah. big push to be open. Remember in the previous podcast episode, big push to be open and transparent with cops and gun use. We wouldn't want to be anywhere near that transparent with our Caltrans dollar expenditure. Right. You know, I'm thinking about your 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 question right there, and I'm going back to your your allotted project painting. Uh, story. Oh yeah, and they go. Well, the cone guys, they were told <laughs> right. we were doing six miles, 
And every day, we're doing six miles. I don't yeah. care where their other guys are at at yeah. that time. They're like, I, I don't care if this makes sense or not. Yeah. I'm just going to do that. Just like I'm just going to grab flyers and hand them out. It doesn't make <laughs> sense, but I'm going to do it. Oh, Caltrans. Just another, just another government entity. That's another one that will never get smaller. guys who lay down you know, the cones or a specific massive. division. No one's going to get fired ever. The, the the person who was handing out flyers, because again, I was told to do it. Of Someone course. just told me. So that guy's yeah. not going to get reprimanded. No. <laughs> I was just told to set up these cones and to piss you off by narrowing the freeway down to one lane. Take you forever to get to your interchange. Oh, no on six. <laughs> yeah. It's actually yes on six. Um, see, I'm telling people you're on the wrong. You're, you're on the wrong. Yes means no. There you go. Damn liberal. I knew it, John. Oh, are we going back to school? Unfortunately, dude, this one is. I, I know. Want to get up that early? I I came across this story because I have some friends with kids in school, and they were you and just about everybody else. <laughs> but but these parents were outraged. Uh, this came up with some coworkers. Sick to their stomachs, you say? They were. They okay. were outraged at AB 329. It's titled the Sexual Health Education Bill. And from that title, one might reasonably deduce that it is meant to cover things like pubescent changes in the body, biological functions of sex organs, and information about sexually transmitted diseases. However, health, quote, has become a rather subjective term. And according to this law, includes areas such as transgender transgender issues, LGBT discussions, and sexual practices. So <laughs> there's a lot of outraged parents. I know one school board in particular got an onslaught at their last meeting, and it caused them to actually put the brakes on the, the rollout of this. I'm looking at one of the sexual health toolkits that's designed to give teachers uh, the information that they're supposed to disperse to the students. That's what we're all about, information right. in schools. Um, so one of them, we've got tips here for improving female satisfaction and tips for postponing male ejaculation. I mean, this whole thing might get us out of the clean realm on okay. iTunes. Well, into, hold on a second. It's for information. If they teach this <laughs> in school, then how can right. we be in trouble for it? What is the... The age, the demographic that this is supposed to be, uh, middle school, kindergarten. Oh, I'm sorry. So seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, uh, thereabouts. Twelve, thirteen, I think even, 12, even 13, younger 14 than that. Yeah, right there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we've got that's in the tips section. We've got safer Just sex the tips section. <laughs> yes. Okay. You had to go. Can you? Can we be adults for two seconds, Bobby? I uh, no, that is impossible for me. Uh, safer sex and lubrication. There's fast facts about lube. There's a whole sheet on that. Uh, additives and lubricants. I'm sorry. Let me clarify something here. This, Do not use Vaseline. This is the content and the material that's delivered to the parents? No, no. This, Th is, this is presented to the middle schooler. I'm sure there's a couple of parents who would like this information. This is basically a... <laughs> Bobby, two seconds. This is basically a kit given to instructors to assist them in the topics and areas to cover with the children. Got it. Right. So this is like a teaching aid. So, 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 okay. Uh, suffice it to say, this is the direct information that somehow will wind up being presented 
correct. the middle schooler. Correct. Yeah. Uh, we have types of lubricant too: water based, oil based, silicone based, and saliva. Can't forget that one. Uh, safer sex toy use, and there's a lot of fast facts on that: how to clean your toys, the materials. Um, Is it vinegar? What? <laughs> there's a whole heading here that says "wetter makes it better." Uh, I mean, this is sex, virginity, and abstinence. Uh, there's a quick fact here of am I a virgin? And then it breaks that down. I'm actually, honestly, I'm surprised they even mentioned that, to be honest with you. Anyways. I I, I think this is crazy that, well, first of all, for a number of Cr- reasons. Crazy barely starts to cover it. A, who who is the school district to teach this stuff? And B, why aren't parents taking care of it. Now, a lot of parents are outraged because they have the same idea. But then I've also read online, there's a lot of parents that don't think this is a bad thing. So there's that in too. And I just don't, you know, I'm always looking for the hidden agenda in it. And education facilities being liberal indoctrination centers to begin with, I have to believe that there is a lot more being talked about, especially as the transgender issues and LGBT stuff comes up. I just feel like, you know, you have to handle that stuff kind of sensitively. I, th- I would prefer that parents handle that stuff in-house. I don't know how I would feel if I had strangers. And I, I don't know. I feel like that should that's something parents discuss with their kids. Don, you had something. Well, we were talking before we started recording this. And, you know, I found myself like I often do for topics like this. I was watching some um, Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell clips that were more centered on the topic of school choice, right? Um, privatization of the school system, et cetera. And, you know, you start to, it's, they started to bring up points. When did it become necessary for the schools and the school system to transmit values? Right. Right. Because you then get to the question of the, the next immediate question to me is what values are they going to transmit? And it's funny because every day, we read articles about people get creeped out by. They don't like where things like Facebook data and et cetera are being taken by private corporations to uh, manipulate you and what you see and how you perceive it into thinking and believing certain things. That's bad. Yet somehow, somewhere along the line, the public education system became the de facto avenue with which "quote unquote" values get transmitted. When did I mean? What are we doing here? When did that happen? You know, and it, and it's an issue like this that really, at least for me, makes you step back and ask that. I mean, I know that's like a real big, high level kind of philosophical no, topic. We're, we're getting out used there, to but, checking the box. Yeah, so that's yeah, right. Yeah, we we went from teaching your core competencies like math and English, and that's and right classes to working on value propositions with kids and teaching them values and, and values are so subjective. Exactly. That it's going to be instilled, you know, into your kids by somebody you have no, you don't know and you don't, who knows if you even agree with their values. Let me, let me dive a little bit deeper into the actual uh, nuts and bolts into this stuff. And, I, I saw that AB um, 329 was written by Shirley Weber, and it was co-sponsored by 
uh, Equality California. And when it says co-sponsored, it really means that they're the ones who wrote it. (laughs) They're the ones who actually wrote the bill, and uh, they gave it to a certain somebody, whomever it may be, and then they authored it. So I went to Equity California's um, website, and it's there for everybody to see. Uh, that they already have a couple other items in the uh, in the queue pipeline. In the pipeline, I was going to say something else, and <laughs> the pipeline is fine, I suppose. Uh, they have the uh, the conversion therapy uh, consumer fraud AB twenty nine forty three. Let's see, I believe this one is still pending approval. What's that one about? Uh, uh, dangerous practices often referred to as conversion therapy. I believe this one passed. Or, or no, no, it was it was withdrawn. It was withdrawn if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, it was for uh, religious uh, reasons, but even a lot of religious um, uh, parishioners they said we don't even like it anyway. We don't even know why you're bringing it up because you know you have those, uh, you know, am I gay or not? And you send them to a uh, psychiatrist, right, 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 that kind of thing. Conversion therapy. Um, they have, uh, AB 2153 LGBTQ cultural competency training for teachers and school staff, uh, co-sponsored by Assemblyman Tony Thurmond, uh, provides California schools with resources to support LGBTQ students and create safer school environments and blah, 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 blah. Uh, this one actually passed the assembly and Senate and it's waiting for Jerry Brown right now. Uh, so that uh, they can have more fundage for this kind of stuff. Um, Which I bet old Jerry signs. I feel like on his way out the door here, he's signing everything under the sun right now. Big time. Uh, What was I on? Um, Oh, same thing, uh, but AB 2504 is cultural competency training for law enforcement officers. Wow, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Cultural competency. You want to make sure you want to put the gentleman who thinks he's a woman in the women's jail. Oh, is uh, that where we're going with it? That's exactly where we're going gotcha. with it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. This one actually did uh, get passed by the Assembly and Senate, and it is on Brownie's uh, desk right now. We're Dude, so done. That that brings up a whole nother level of just dealing with situations, trying to figure out how to segregate prisons appropriately. Based on gender, <laughs> establishing services for youth experience ho- experiencing homelessness by our friend the devil Scott Weiner. <laughs> you know the other thing all this made me look up the statistic. There's 2.7 percent of California kids that are homeschooled. I guarantee you that number is headed in one direction only. Oh, yeah, I get it now. Uh, th- that number will see an increase, a steady increase over the next few years. There's also these hybrid systems. I yeah. know people that do that where you do so many days at home and then so many days with the rest of kind of a cohort, field trips and things like that. So you still have a little bit of a of a class that you hang out with, but you're doing most of your studies at home. I got to be honest, though. I'm Now I'm just speculating here. But I'm going to say within the next five years, 10 years max, we see that made uh, "quote unquote" illegal in this state. Well, they did that before. They 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 passed a law and said that no one could homeschool each other, and then it went to the Supreme Court, where they they nixed it. 
So, yeah, they've already attempted it. All the more reason they're bringing up hearsay from Kavanaugh's high school experiences (laughs) to prevent him from getting on the court. Wrap it up. Now, that's a real bummer to end end the episode on. That's that's just... Cheer me up, John. That's not good. Well, if anyone can do it, it's... I want some more sex education jokes. It's got to be James Woods. This actually... Well, you'll see. It's kind of a... It's funny. James Woods, Tweet of the Week. So the only part on this one that James Woods wrote was just the hashtag oldie but goodie. And otherwise, it's a joke. So that's, that was his contribution. Oldie but goodie. Participating in a gun buyback program because you think criminals have too many guns is like having yourself castrated because you think your neighbors have too many kids. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wise words. Words of wisdom. That was exactly my thought. Well, another week down. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Catch new episodes Wednesdays, 8 a.m. on Apple iTunes and Google Store. Don't forget to tell your friends. We're growing. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Burn it all down.